We are a part of a culture where money is everything. Money is our God. Okay. Okay. One, two, ready, go. Welcome to the Called to be Bad podcast. My name is Mariah Martin, and I feel called to be bad. It turns out I'm not the only one. Join us as we dig into all things bad, scandalous, deviant, you know, the stuff that makes good church folks squirm in the sanctuary. Why? Well, because sometimes the scandalous is spiritual, deviant is divine, and bad is beautiful. Say yes to the call, and let's see what holy trouble we get into today. Hello, Sunitha. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Everyone, this is Sunitha Millsaps. Um, she is a co-pastor at Prairie Street Mennonite Church, which is in Elkhart, Indiana. Um, Sunitha is also the executive director of Mennonite Women USA. So when I asked her about her bad topic, um, she said she wanted to talk about wealth in the church. So I'm curious, Sunitha, what you see as the main issue um, in the church involving wealth? Um, I think the main issue is the fact that we refuse to talk about it pretty much at all. And when we do talk about it, we talk about it like on a really superficial level. Um, but we'll not talk about wealth and poverty and our responsibility and what that looks like for us as a church. And theologically, what does, what is that saying? And we, we spend a whole lot of time dodging, I think, that conversation. A lot of it is, I think we just have to be honest that we have gotten caught up in a system that is not ours, mm-hmm. not what God uh, set up for us. We are not even remotely close <laughs> to what uh, God was inviting us into as far as, as wealth and care for each other and poverty. And that we are not even remotely close to where God was uh, trying to create for us a, a, a spirit of care for one another. Mm-hmm. So we have to accept the fact that the system we are in is not our own. Whether you look at capitalism, socialism, uh, communism, you can use any of them isms <laughs> and they're not God's system. Right. And so until we get back to a system that God was trying to help us understand and live and work together, we have to let the other one go. And we are so beholden to the other system. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me think of um, all the times that Jesus talked about money. And then I'm also thinking about the Acts passage um, where it talks about how they all had like... um, a, basically like a common purse um, yes. that held all things together. Yeah. So do you have any thoughts about like Jesus's words on money or the Acts passage or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely the Acts passage. You're absolutely right. And there are examples of communities who have tried that and it worked. Mm-hmm. So just put that out there. It works if you choose to do it. Okay. We uh, choose not to do it. Yeah. But uh, Jesus's first, you know, uh, big message to everybody is this jubilee message. Mm. He is reinstating, uh, this is who we are. This is what we are supposed to do. We see that in Luke. And so all of us, you know, we, we, uh, we'll use that passage all the time, Mm. never really fully break down. Okay. What is Jesus calling us to do now? And what does that mean for the way we've already been living? So that's one issue. 
Uh, one of the books that I encourage people to, that just really helped me sort of feel like, okay, I am absolutely not crazy in thinking this, <laughs> is a book called The Problem of, is Wealth um, by Elizabeth uh, Henson Hasty. Um, and in her book, she talks about the Garden of Gethsemane and, um, and she breaks down this understanding that this was a place where they actually um, uh, grew olive trees and did the pressing of the oil, right? And it was all owned by the Roman Empire. It was an industry, right? So of all the places Jesus could have went to pray, why would he go to this space? And we've always talked about it like he just went off to himself in some remote spot and he needed to get away and just have some time to pray. No, he went to this major economic engine and sat there. So now when we think of Satan saying, this could all be yours, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, oh, this is a lie. This is a big, that he chose to walk away from. Wow. I did not know that. That's I did not know that either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, um, Jesus was challenging the very systems that were in place. And if that is true, then why are we, the church, not challenging the systems that are causing these great divides instead of us helping to divide? Right. Hello, beloved baddies. A quick break to tell you that this episode is sponsored by the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul, a nonprofit that supports and amplifies the voices of edgewalkers through art that catalyzes change, laughter that brings us together, and soul awakening to the creative spark within us. The support from the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul has meant the world to this podcast, so I highly encourage you to check out their website, arthumorandsoul.com, to see their other featured artists and projects. If you want to support the podcast, you can check out our Patreon or get in touch. Now I'll let you get back to this episode of Called to be Bad. So why do you think it is so hard for us um, as people, as churches to talk about money? Well, a lot of it, I think, is cultural. We were taught um, that these are things you don't talk about, right? <laughs> um, I, but I think the biggest part of that is it's part of a colonizing mindset where those that have want to continue to have. And so we don't talk a whole lot about how we arrive at this. Um, so we set these artificial sort of parameters around what actually is happening so people don't dig deep and really see what is happening. Mm -hmm. Part of it is a part of a huge lie that we've all been bought into. And the church is culpable and has also married itself with a nation, the systems, whether it's capitalism, whether it's politics, whether we have just sort of married ourselves in there and we call it theology and it's not theology. Yeah. Yeah, that you're reminding me a little bit of something that my therapist likes to say. And she'll say that when people react to um, stress, they often react in one of two ways. They either move to connect or they move to protect. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're stressed, like when the economy is stressed, when, um, you know, there's national disasters, you know, when mm -hmm. a pandemic hits, um, 
it is very telling whether we mm-hmm. move financially to connect with one another, kind of, you know, in the Acts passage, or if we move to protect our own funds, our own family. Yeah. And she wasn't saying, you know, one is bad and one is good. It's just information. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something worth noticing. Okay. When mm-hmm. our church is in stress, do we try to protect our own? Do we mm-hmm. try to connect with one another? So mm-hmm. yes. yeah, yes. there's something there. Great example. I and mean, that's a great example. Yeah. 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 She's a smart woman, my therapist. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so how do you think our view of money affects how we treat one another and maybe even how we think of God? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's crazy. Uh, you would think we know, we would know better <laughs> and we don't, uh, we are a part of a culture where money is everything um, and how we view ourselves, how we view the world around us are through these lens of what we have and don't have. Mm-hmm. You worked hard enough. You'll have all these material things and you'll be really good at saving money and you'll have this great credit. And this all has to do with money. Right. And if you don't have these things, then you are probably a poor steward and you did do a really good job. And we never talk about the systems that actually put these things in place. Right. Money is our God. Mm. And we refuse to accept that to be our truth. I, I think of it like this, that like money is our God and God is this like a lieutenant. Mm. <laughs> so money is, is the driving factor of it all. And then we use God to keep everybody in order. We mm. keep to say, all right, because God said this, you have to do it this way and this way. But but we really don't have God at the top. Money is actually at the top. All right. That also reminds me of the whole kind of prosperity gospel mm-hmm. that, you know, even if Mennonite theology is not, doesn't necessarily you know, spew prosperity it's gospel, you know, it's still it's still in the water almost. You better believe um, it. This idea that if you are a good Christian, if you pray hard enough, if you work hard enough, it's kind of t- mm-hmm. caught up in the American dream also. Yes. Like if yes. you have enough grit, if you have enough hustle, then yeah. um, God will give you all of these blessings. Um, yeah, it's almost like the idea of manifesting. Like if you put it yes. out to the universe or to God, God will bring mm-hmm. it in your life. Uh, I just watched a TikTok on this and the person talking about it was like, no, you can't do both. You can't say that God blessed you with this and then um, are silent about all the people who don't yes. have mansions. Yes. You've turned God into a villain or or, or yes. like a, a, a fairy godmother that grants certain people wealth and money and then that's others a- not. And it's, uh, again, that's that big lie the church has bought into, right? That somehow you have done this. Well, you just say a God to, is is everything mm. and Omega beginning and the end. Right. But yet you are responding to a world that says you have so much power that you are doing this and that. And so we pick and choose the places in, we, in which we want to give God the credit. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm curious about like the the practicality of kind of your vision for wealth. Um, I remember there was a seminary class that we were in together. Um, oh, by the way, Sunitha also went to Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary. Um, and there was like one forum or one class we were in together. And you had a strong critique of um, investing, was it? Or, or, or saving for retirement, I think it was. And my mind was blown um, because, and, and those words have stuck with me and haunted me because I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I remember is you saying, why are we saving all of this money for our an unknown future when people in our community are having a hard time putting food on the table, paying rent? Why are we saving up? Why do we have millions at, at Everance, which is uh, kind of the, the Mennonite bank? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's our money. It is yeah. all of our money. <laughs> yeah. Why do we yeah. have millions of dollars here? And you know, it's kind of it's kind of that protect connect thing. Why are we protecting rather than connecting with one another in this more mutual acts kind right. of way? Right. Uh, so yeah, what, where did this come from? And 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 what are the kind of practical uh, ways that you push back against these systems that we're all caught up caught up in? Yeah. I push back because I just fuss. <laughs> I fuss all the time because I can't believe people either don't see it or don't want to see it. Mm. And again, I think the, the reality that money is the actual God makes it really easy for us to then make the lieutenant God say, this is why we do it. We make excuses through scripture. Mm. What we're really holding up is our desire for our own creating our own security, our own uh, desires, our own. And I'm not saying this, if anybody, I, I am, I got just as much money in Everett. Well, probably not just, I probably will have a fraction of what <laughs> people have in Everett. But I, I have, I in my investments, everything are, are with Everett. Um, so I am, I am speaking of myself when I, all of us are caught up somehow in this mess. My problem though, more than anything um, is the fact that we just refuse, we refuse to try to find another way. So in, in and for Anabaptists, those of us who have come out of traditions that are Hutterite and Amish and where the families stay together and they just add on when the extra people, <laughs> like we all continue to live in the same sort of land they say, and, and take care of the land, the space that we have been given. That's what we know. And somehow we've bought into, well, I'm going to save all my money and I'm going to have my own house. And then my kids are going to have their own house and my grandkids are going to have their own house. And before you know it, as a family, we own five to seven houses, right? Um, if we put all that wealth together, um, what could we actually do to help others and, and share in this? What we, what we are being told to do is to save that money for this later because we're going to live to be 100. Now, as an African-American woman, one of the things that's striking to me, because we don't live that long usually. <laughs> Unfortunately, I come from a community that many of us die even before we begin to receive any of our retirement. Um, and if we make it, many of us make it to retirement the money we have saved isn't enough really for us to have this really comfortable lifestyle. We just barely getting by and able to pay the basic bills. And if we're lucky, if we paid off a house in that time. So we, 
the church, especially the Mennonite church, is only seeing itself and not what and how these retirement investments and stuff affect everybody. You, They only see how it affects them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I have a big problem with that because we're not having real conversations about how that works for everybody. The other thing is, our, to me, is our lack of understanding of how we are responsible for one another, even in our own family, right? So I'm saving all of this money for some future possibility when my neighbor and many times my own family could use support and help. And I would invite all young people right now, those of us who are caught up with thousands and thousands upon thousand dollars in um, student loans from trying to get education. Think about all that money that is sitting. And as families, think about all that money that is sitting there that could have paid these loans off. Like there, yeah, we, it, our system is really backwards. Is really, church has just walked into it, said it's okay, this is how we do it without asking any questions about isn't there a better way for us to handle this. Right. And, and then the, that's a better way. Yeah, there is a better way. I, I like that kind of creative um, reimagining what our economy could look like, both like in and outside of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like asking those questions, why is it the way it is? Um, I've also heard uh, strong critiques of generational wealth being um, passed as like, this is something that someone worked really hard for um, Mm -hmm. when we really, they were handed that money um, or stole it or stole it. Exactly. They, they, yes. The earning the money um, was uh, at what cost was that money earned? And often it's um, the, the literal bodies of, of black and brown people. Right. Right. One of the other books that's on that list is Decolonizing Wealth. Mm. It's Wisdom to Heal the Divides and Restore Balance. That book is phenomenal. Uh, He critiques the actual investment systems themselves. He is a part of it. And he said he was like 15 years in and watching it and was like, okay, this is really upside down. This This makes absolutely no sense. Right. But he but he had to get inside to really understand what was going on. And then marrying that with his culture, his history, his understanding as an indigenous person of the land. Mm -hmm. So do you have any sort of vision for what the church could look like if we changed how we viewed and um, treated money or or wealth? Mm -hmm. I think. The reality of our times, unless you're a mega church, but in the Mennonite church, many of us are 40 to 50 people strong these days, right? Um, I have a vision of the house church again. Mm-hmm. We come together and then overhead is small because we come together in homes. We collect our tithe, whatever that may be. Uh, if you are able to give more, give more. And those that are have to give less, give less. And that group, as we sit there, take that tithe and take care of the things that were supposed to be. Now, make no mistake, the reality was back when, when the tithe was set up was for the Levite to be taken care of because the Levites were not supposed to, they were supposed to take care of the rituals. They were supposed to make sure the poor were receiving, the widow was receiving what they needed for their care. 
So everybody bought the tithe to the storehouse. The Levite was the one that distributed and helped distribute that. So the understanding is somebody, the management of that has to be done. But my thought is we, because we're small enough, we all come together and we listen, enjoy our meal together. We listen to the word together. We sing together. Then we collect the tithe. And then we say, who among us is in need? Or who among us in our community do we know that needs services and help? Somebody might say, well, I'm actually good right now, but I do know a lady that I work with and her, she, her mother just had a stroke and she had to move her into her house and she was just saying this big struggle. Maybe we could take our tithe to her and her family this week. Mm-hmm. And next week, it may be, well, we have three or four different possibilities. Let's split it up against these four different people and different people are going to take this around. The need might be within the community. The need might be outside of the community. But it is an intentional thing of where we're honestly paying attention to what's happening around us. Right. It may be that we have to send money to a family in Mexico. It doesn't matter where we see that need and what the spirit is telling us to do with our tithe. And it's not caught up in our buildings. Our problems now is all of our tithe are paying for us to keep these buildings and pay fat, fat, and I'm a pastor, right? So pastors and our salaries and our insurance and our, like, that's where all of our money goes. I would question churches to ask themselves, um, 50% of all of our money has to go out. So how do we, ma- how do we manage what was left? Mm, yeah. Right. Like our church, my understanding of the church on Prairie Street at one time had 400 members. It's a, it's a big church with a lot of space. Okay, well, we're a fraction of that now. We don't still need that massive building, but yet we keep trying to maintain this massive building. Our brain cells tell us, but this is ours. Right. Our responsibility. This is, no, who we are as a church could meet in the parking lot, right? Not as building should not be that hold. You get it. You ask a church to give up their building for any reason. It's these, it'll take five years to discuss <laughs> whether you know they actually need the space or don't need the space. Yes, that is so true. Oh my goodness. I, I tell you, I'll give you one <laughs> that'll hit us all directly in the space, face, especially for Mennonites. Uh, all of these churches and Mennonite organizations that have solar panels, right? So we have, and it's great because solar panels are really important and it's environmentally healthy and all that kind of stuff. And it'll save us on these particular bills, right? If we have the money to buy solar panels, why wouldn't we use that money for solar panels on people's homes who can barely pay the electricity? Because we can pay ours. So I'm not saying solar panels are wrong. I'm saying we, we, we're giving it to ourselves. Yep. Really are trying to help a society, right? We can pay our bill, right? And we can afford to buy these thousands of dollars solar panels, right? So take the solar panels and how many houses can you put those solar panels on and help people go from $150 a month for an electric bill to $30 a month for an electric bill? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
I think we all have to be honest with ourselves. Where are we on the journey and what are we doing to try to do better than what we have done and what has been handed down to us as theology and God's way that really isn't. So if you had any advice for someone who was like, okay, I want to decolonize, um, divest my brain, my understanding of wealth um, from kind of this cultural, this capitalistic culture, what, what advice might, might you give? Um, uh, my biggest thing uh, would say, um, stand with what you believe, because chances are, I, I've heard many pastors that have talked about that said, you know, I would lose my job or one person who really did speak too much about it was told she needed to stop talking about it. And I said to her, and I say to all of you, if somebody asks that you stop talking, talk even more, mm. right? If, if, if it causes you to lose your job, praise God, hallelujah. Right. <laughs> so uh, fact that um, because what I am saying is I'm trying to speak truth to a power that is hurting all of us, even the people who hold all the wealth are hurting. So I would I would say, to, especially to the pastors, keep speaking about it, keep encouraging people to look to families and reestablish a very good community, family and community system that we look to take care of each other. And I don't have to save all my money to some future day. We can use the money right now, live a comfortable life right now. And if I get sick or if I get old and can no longer work, you will take care of me in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, (laughs) Well, we often end uh, the podcast with a blessing um, where I bless you and and the listeners and the viewers. Um, So would it be okay if I blessed you? Sure. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Sunitha and all of you viewers and listeners, um, may you go from this space with the spirit of honesty Uh, with the courage to speak truth to power, to examine yourselves and your relationship to money, um, how you think of money and God and church. Um, And you may you go and and turn some tables and and rock the boat and keep talking even when you're told to be silent. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. It's great hanging out with you and doing this. Blessings to you on this podcast as well. Of course. Thank you, Sunitha. (laughs) That's all for this episode of Called to be Bad. Keep being your bad, beautiful selves, and I will see you next time.